All right, welcome everybody, all my beautiful babies, all my kings, queens, all my in-betweens. Welcome to another episode of The Shindig, the podcast where you're going to hear about some things you may not know about. You might learn a little crap, so stick around, roll back, grab a snack, grab a drink, grab three, and welcome. My guest today is a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Chris Townsend. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Ben. Thank you. You doing good? Pretty, pretty good Monday for you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, uh, Chris is a master of many things, and one of those is a master of dungeons. We're talking D&D today. Dork dice. <laughs> As it's called. That's what the Ds stand for. <laughs> yes. Um, Chris set up a little D&D group, which uh, I am a participant of, and I love it. And I realize, after I tell people that, after the scathing looks and jokes and whatnot a lot of people don't really know what dungeons and dragons actually is so you chris are going to educate us today so tell me what is dungeons and dragons dnd is a, a tabletop rpg so you you make a character based on the rules in the the player's handbook which is the book that all the players use and then from there your dungeon master runs you through a story with your characters and you act out what they would do obviously the, the vocal parts you don't get up and fight each other um and then for combat there's dice rolls and all kinds of other things that add into it so it's it's really living a story let's 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 back it up let's break that down so rpg what is an rpg role-playing game rpg role-playing game now is there like a board or is there player tokens or something to jenga no nope, nothing like jenga it's, it, they call it the theater of the mind it's all in your head so so it's literally acting out yes play acting okay yep. You said DM. What's a DM? DM is a dungeon master. So the DM is basically the storyteller. They they create the world. They create what's happening to your characters in the story. And then you and your characters react and normally totally don't do what the DM planned and he has to rewrite his whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it sounds like there's a lot of onus on on the DM here. There so you, you build a story from the ground up? Do you just make it up in your head? Well, I do, yeah. There's uh, all kinds of modules you can buy too for DMs who aren't that creative. Um, so you can, you can buy all these modules and they'll run you through from point A to point B of an entire story. So there's a a lot of ways to do it. Ah, interesting. Okay. Okay. So walk me through in layman's terms, like what does a round of D and D look like? What is each person doing at any given time? Um, so a lot of the times it's just role-playing. So they'll go into a tavern and they'll talk to an innkeeper and ask him questions that might pertain to something or things of that nature. Um, but then there are a lot of dice rolls that come in too. So if your character kind of thinks the bartender's lying when he answers your question, you might be able to do an investigation check or, um, oh, there's another one that actually fits better than that. Intuition, maybe? I forget. Anyway, a, a check your character can roll and they have stats for that and they might detect then that the bartender's lying or they might be completely oblivious and keep going with the lie. So each player, are they representing themselves or how does each person interact with the game? So each each person has their own character that they'll make. So they might be a lawful good paladin and that's going to be like your your super righteous guy who's, you know, the, the path of righteousness is all he knows. And there's there's variations of paladin, but that's the, the basic one. Um, or it could be a chaotic evil thief who's going to run around and kill babies in the alley. You know, it's <laughs> we, we don't condone that here on the shindig, <laughs> baby killing. So it could happen. So, <laughs> so um, each different type of character. Uh, you mentioned that there's stats involved. Mm-hmm. So are is like one stronger than another? Is yep. one smarter? So there's six base stats. You have strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. 
Um, and those really kind of flesh out the way your character does things. So of course, a stronger person is probably going to be a little better at combat or a more dexterous person might be better at combat because they'll use weapons that will lend themselves to that. Um, an intelligent character might use magic. Or a, a character with a lot of wisdom would probably be a, a cleric or a druid, you know, someone who does healing or nature magic. So th there's a lot of different ways to play through it. So how does one person decide what kind of character they want to be? Um, so that all is at DM's discretion. Um, what, what a lot of people, what a lot of DMs do is you'll roll your stats. You'll end up, so you'll roll a couple D6s, which is a regular die that everybody knows, the six-sided die. <clears throat> the three of those will normally give you your stat number, you know, from three to 18. And then you assign those to each stat, depending on some DMs will make you go down the line, and then you end up with whatever character is. Some DMs like me will let you kind of choose where you want to put them and then you just kind of pick what, what's going to fit with your stats so it sounds like there's math involved. lots of math lots of math that might be a deterrent it's too. basic math it's all addition subtraction okay i'm pretty confident i don't know who's <laughs> listening if anybody but most of the people listening are familiar may be comfortable with addition and subtraction or at least have a tool that might do that for them. I would hope so. I mean, the American education system leaves a little bit to be lacking, but I think we all learn that. And spoken from two people living in Florida. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but if you have an abacus on hand, or oh, yeah. a calculator, or a spouse of some sort with fingers. A phone. A yeah, phone with, phones work. Yeah, yeah. Phones have those things on them. <laughs> how did you get into D&D? &D? So I got into D&D. &D, I don't remember how I got into it initially, but my first game... Um, with some of my friends that I used to just hang out with and they ended up meeting some dude, a guy named Paul. It was a great DM. I'd never met him before that night though. Um, and they, they brought me in. There was a group of people that, that ended up being lifelong friends of mine after that. We, we played for a couple of years. So. so when you started, Paul was your DM. Mm -hmm. uh, what, was, what was your character at the time? My first character was a, so this is, this is second edition D&D, &D, which is a lot different than it is now in fifth edition that we're on. Um, so my first character was an elven fighter mage thief. So it was an elf who could fight, cast spells, and do some thief abilities. And that guy made it about two sessions with me as a newbie before I realized I had no idea what the hell was going on. Scrapped him and made a bard. So <laughs> <laughs> See what happens? You get too overwhelmed with power, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden the responsibility catches up, and then you just want to quit and make music. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and both of us being musicians, I think that's applicable yep. to real life as yep. well. Yeah. No, my bard, in fairness, ended up picking up a, a kit, which was like a, a subclass you could get back in second edition, where he could. He was more of a fighter than a bard. So I've seen a lot of musicians that are fighters, that's usually true. instead of playing music. Yeah, not Glenn Danzig. He got knocked right out. No. <laughs> Poor Danzig. We didn't know that on this episode what we were going to be talking on Danzig. Did not script that out. I love Danzig. Love Danzig. For the record, we all love Danzig. Yes. And his mother. <laughs> uh, so when you were playing, um, eventually, obviously, you are currently our DM. What made you want to transition from being a character to a DM? Oh, man, I didn't. So the only reason I started DMing is my kids watched Stranger Things and wanted to try out Dungeons and Dragons. And I was the only person that knew the basis of the game. So went out and bought all the books and uh, here we are. <laughs> How old are your kids? They are 13 and 14. So this is hysterical to me. We're both relatively middle-aged men. Mm -hmm. um, when I was 13 or 14 and uh, I said I wanted to play D&D, &D, I had to say that quietly <laughs> to the two guys in school who also played D&D. &D. Right. And uh, uh, now you're... 
early teen kids are telling you they want to play Dungeons and Dragons because of Stranger Things? Stranger Things. They watch Stranger Things, and I guess now it's a cool thing, man. Like uh, none of their friends are playing right now, but all their friends want to play. I'm just not not gonna run a second campaign, so I told my kid to run her own. So. <laughs> I think I grew up like 25 years too late. <laughs> man, that yeah, awesome. Well, I mean, when I was a kid too, like all my friends were D and D dorks. There was a, a huge group of like 20 of us that would play. Dungeons and Dragons or Vampire or Champions or Star Wars, all these different role-playing games we tried out. So That's where I started um, mm-hmm. back in my teenage years. I think we skipped D&D and I played Vampire. I played Mage for a little bit. Mage. Yep. yep. I never did play Mage. Yeah. All relatively the same thing. All yeah. RPGs. All White Wolf. Those yep. ones. Same type of gameplay, same type of rules. Just different um, characters, uh, slightly different variations yep. on the game. Yeah. Yeah. Vampire was a lot of fun. That was a good, good game. Now, what kind of atmosphere do you play D and D and do you do it in the living room? Do you do it? Yep. So at my place, we do it in the living room mostly because our party is what? Seven people. I think it's seven people. So it's pretty big. So they, they say a typical party. You only want to be about four people tops. So but we, we make it work with seven. There's a definitely a lot of lost time, but <laughs> you know, people talking uh, sidebar and stuff, but uh, we make it work with that. So yeah, we do it in the living room just because it's the only place I have enough time to do it. So what if I got really into my character and I didn't want to just tell you what I was doing, but I wanted to like act out Plus, everything that was as long happening. As you don't punch anybody, that's fine, man. You can't punch anybody. Well, I mean, you, I mean, if they're okay with it, but I wouldn't recommend it because they might punch you back. Also, we play with your kids. That's probably yeah. not good. They probably need a good yeah. punching. All right. So if you wanted to get started fresh, if you've never done D&D before, how do you get into it? So if you if you don't have friends that are already doing it or know somebody that's already doing it and has all the books and source materials, um, you can go to your local game store. And most of those will have at least once a week um, a session where anybody can come in and join. They're usually more than happy to show you the ropes and, and have patience with you as you learn. The other players, of course, love having new people getting into it. So um, yes, yeah, so just lo- go to your local game store. Ask them if they have any games you can join and learn with. So. Pretty pretty good community oh yeah yeah the gaming community is i mean it's a it's a bunch of dorks we're all a bunch of dorks i mean these people <laughs> they, they just want to play their characters and have a good time you know so i i think we've talked a lot about D. we need to we need to show them sort of what this looks like so let's let's run through a quick scenario you be the dm you you craft me uh, on the spot a little scene yep we're gonna put you on the spot here uh, i'll i'll play a character and i just want to I want to get the the feel for what gameplay would look like if you're right. doing this. So we'll, uh, you know, what we'll, we'll go back to, to probably the first session I ever played that, that Paul ran us through was a, a place called Keep Carnell. Ooh. So um, you, you come up on this uh, this this old rundown building. There's moss and vines growing down the outside. You can barely make out the, the cover. The drawbridge is, is old and rotted, um, kind of falling through. Um, it does look like you can probably come go by in a few places. It might still be safe to cross, but you're, you're definitely going to have to watch your step. Um, outside, there's a, a crumbling uh, stone wall surrounding the place. It no longer provides any protection or any kind of deterrent to keep people out. It's in such disarray. What do you do? Ooh, am I am I alone? Is there anybody around? Uh, it's just you right now. Yep. yep. Do I know what's on the other side of this bridge? No, you have no idea. Um what's so you mentioned the the bridge looks possibly unsafe so i'm going to walk up to it i'm going to gingerly place my foot on on the first step of the bridge and give it a little feel you you step on it you push down it it creaks under your weight um but it doesn't feel like it's going to give out on you okay well i'm going to very tentatively step onto the bridge and then very very slowly well one step at a time using as much support as i can on my hands uh start to uh, traverse the bridge as you make your way across, it, it holds your weight just fine. 
there are definitely some scary moments as you start to pass by. You hear the creaks, um, definitely some cracking sounds, but you do make it across the bridge just fine. As, as you make it across, it opens up into a, a giant courtyard. Um, in the center still stands the keep, very foreboding looking, um, obviously not been entered in a very long time. And you swear you hear the sounds of maybe dice rolling off in the distance or, or something kind of clacking off in the distance somewhere. Ooh. Ah, well, uh, I'm very interested in this foreboding keep, so I'm going to very gingerly and tentatively make my way towards uh, the, the front door or whatever entrance I can find. Sure. You go up toward the door, and as you get closer, the, the clacking sound gets louder. It's definitely coming from inside the keep here. Oh. Is, can you describe what the entrance looks like? What's the door? Sure. The, the door is, uh, it, it was at one time a heavy wooden door. Looked like it might have been nice, maybe made out of redwood, but as the years have gone by, it's deteriorated as well. Um, it's warped the, the, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on what they're called. The metal things that support the door. <laughs> I'm lost. I <laughs> ah, man. Anyway, the, the, everything's just kind of deteriorated about this door. It, it's, it's kind of leaning sideways in the hinge now, but you still might be able to force it open and get inside. Well, I sense danger. So before I do anything, I'm going to draw my short sword Great. and keep it handy. And then I'm going to use, I'm going to creep to the side of the door and then very forcefully and quickly, I'm going to kick it in. Great. And stand in attack position. Make a strength check. Okay, I'm <laughs> going to roll my die yeah. to see if I have the strength necessary to kick in the door. So, Yep, so for those at home who don't know what a strength check or a, a whatever the check is for your stat, so some instances you have to do something like make a check related to your stat. Each stat you have bonuses depending on how high or, or negatives depending on how low your stat is. And when the DM will tell you to make a strength check, for example, he has a number in his head that you have to meet or exceed in order to complete the task you're trying to do. So you'll roll your die, you'll add in your bonuses, and then if the sum meets or exceeds the DM's number in his head, then you make it. Now, the DM won't ever tell you what that number was because sometimes he wants you to progress and you fail it and he's going to tell you you made it anyway. Or sometimes he doesn't want you to go that way. So even if you make it, he's going to tell you you failed. That's all in the interest of keeping the story going. So let's see if the DM wants me to get through this door. So uh, I rolled I rolled my die, and with all my modifiers, I rolled a 15. You rolled a 15. So you kick the door, and it, it doesn't quite fly open, but it definitely opens enough for you to squeeze through. Perfect. What do I see on the you other side? Peek your head inside, and across the, the, uh, the entryway, there's uh, four skeletons just shambling along, which is what that clacking sound was. <gasps> um, so they've got uh, short swords in their hands. One of them has a shield. They have just uh, some chain mail that's just mostly fallen to rust, a couple pieces of plate mail that are no longer gleaming whatsoever, and they turn and start rushing toward you. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to cast a spell. Um, I'm going to cast a lightning bolt to try to uh, try to kill these skeletons. All right. You can cast this lightning bolt. All right. I'll roll my dice. Yep. So when, when we enter a combat phase, t uh, typically some DMs will do it like I just did and let you kind of have your first move there, no problem, because, you know, it was everything just coming together. Um, some DMs will make you roll what they call initiative, which determines the order of who goes when. So the skeletons will have their initiative, you'll have your initiative, et cetera, and whoever was higher goes first. Um, and in this case, in order to hit, every creature has what they call an armor class, which is basically just how hard they are to hit. So some it might be because they're wearing plate armor, they have a high armor class. Some might be a rogue who's extremely dexterous, so his armor class will be high, you know, things like that. So when you roll to hit, you have to meet or exceed that armor class number with your bonuses. And then if you hit, that's when you roll your damages. So, Gotcha. So let's say I cast my lightning bolt and I roll a, 
I roll an eight. You, you roll an eight. So in that case, I forget what a skeleton's armor class is. I think it's like 12. So if you came out with an eight, you would cast your lightning bolt and you would miss the skeletons and then they would continue to advance on you. Ooh. So, yep. So not only are we, we're imagining the story, you're, you're telling me what's happening in the story, but there's mm-hmm. also an element of chance to it. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. And I suppose that's where it's more of a game than just storytelling. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the DM is going to write the story, but in the end, the players totally dictate what's going to happen in the story. So as you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I had to call the, the session early because you guys went off in a path I never even saw coming, and I had nothing at all prepared or written for it. So we had to we had to stop for the night and pick it up again the next week because I had to write something for what you guys were deciding to do. So, so what do you do in that situation where you got it? You spent all week writing this elaborate story, and then we, the characters, decided to do something completely different. So I mean, you can still put that kind of stuff on the back burner. A lot of stories, for example, the the mansion you guys are going through now, that was something I had written four or five months ago. That so a lot of stories you can bring back in at another point and just weave them into a different part of the story or, or something like that. So it's it's not really wasted unless it was very specific. And even then, it's still it's not a big deal. You know, the the idea as a dungeon master is do whatever's fun for your players. So if that means you worked for a couple hours on a story that they never play, that's just the way it goes sometimes. As long as everybody has fun, you've done your job. So does it ever get frustrating? No, man. Nah, that's a good time. Do you yep. ever get upset when? Maybe we stall, like uh, you just want us to go across a bridge, like it's an example, and we spend 45 minutes just asking about what each rung of the bridge looks like. No, I love that stuff. I love when people are are so engaged in it that they're way overthinking everything about it. And I mean, you know, they they think I'm more creative than I am, I think. So So we end up with these, I mean, you've been there in sessions where we've had 45 minutes to an hour of drawing out some elaborate plan that could have been done in two seconds, you know, but, (laughs) and and I think it's fantastic when that happens. I love it. So I just let it go unless it starts becoming side or distracting. So it is nice when everybody's engaged and contributing to the story. I really enjoy that. Yep. Yep. Oh, my goodness. D&D. What would you... So if anyone has never tried D&D, what would you say to convince them to give it a shot? Um, you know, I've never actually tried to convince anybody. Most people just want to try it when they when they hear us talking about it. But, I mean, the, the thing about it is it's just... It's about, you know, you like watching TV, you like reading books, you like playing video games. This is that, only you have much more control than in any of those mediums. So... That's true. So um, whenever you're listening to this, we are firmly in the age of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are choosing to try to find more isolated activities to do with uh, either family or very close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not interested in going out in the world, this might be a great activity. Oh, especially there's a, a lot of groups now that are doing D&D strictly online. So doing it via Zoom meetings or things of that nature. And and that works just fine. So, you know. Nice. In fact, there's uh, entire websites like uh, D&D Beyond where you can build your character on there. You can, you don't even need dice. They've got the dice rolls built into D and D beyond. So you can do everything right there on your iPad or, or whatever you have your computer and it, it'll all work just fine. I will say this. Uh, I was just introduced to D and D beyond and uh, it took probably a few hours to mm-hmm. initially set up my character. And then every time we play, I got to look at all the handwritten notes on my sheet that I have and do my calculations. Um, if that's automated and it is, uh-huh. uh, I probably need to do that. Yes. Yeah. It took when, uh, Annie, my wife, she plays, um, when she switched her character over, we actually had to bring another one of our players over to run us through how to do it. Cause it's, I guess, harder to bring in a character that you've already made on paper in the D and D beyond that's already gained a few levels. Mm. But if, if you're a new person who's just making your character from scratch, it's going to walk you through step by step and make it so nice and easy. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been enlightening. 
And we picked the perfect time because I didn't know this, but apparently D&D is now back in the zeitgeist through Stranger Things. Yeah. So it's not a stigma anymore. In fact, you can even buy the campaign they were playing in Stranger Things as a module that I was talking about earlier. So. Man. <laughs> oh, I love that 80s stuff is coming back. Oh, yeah, play. yeah. Yeah, me too. Just had to wait it out. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, my kids dress 80s and listen to music that sounds like it's from the 80s. It's, it's a good thing. What's your favorite thing from the 80s? Well, I mean, my favorite thing was being a kid when I didn't have to work all the time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's see, uh, the, the 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 pop music I think was probably my favorite thing from the '80s. That was uh, such an awesome time for music. So. Oh, I'm just gonna go listen to like 14 albums of Hollow Notes after this. There you go, Hollow Notes or um, uh, the Cars. Obviously, are one of my favorites. You know, I mean, yes. they're, they're '70s, '80s, but you know. Well, there you heard it. Kids, start listening to the Cars and Hollow mm-hmm. Notes. Play D and D, Chris. Thanks for your time. I really yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Yes. Well, thank you for listening. That wraps another episode of The Shindig. Uh, check in next week for a brand new one. Until then, everybody stay safe. Love each other. Give your mom a hug. Give your dad a call. And toodles. Critical hit. I miss a